Hello. Welcome. <laughs> uh, so I've had this podcast. I'm Michael Moore, by the way, in case you are visiting uh, from Norway. Um, I, uh, I've had this podcast now for, what, six, uh, six and a half weeks, and um, Rumble is its name. And you, <laughs> and you are here for the first time that we have are, are doing a live audience uh, podcast with Rumble. So welcome and thank you for being part uh, of this, uh, this new endeavor of mine. I really appreciate you being here. Um, I, I think what we'll do is, I'll bring the, I'll br let me bring them up now. And then uh, for people who are listening uh, to this on their device, probably later today or tomorrow, um, I want to explain what we're doing here, why we're here in New Hampshire, and uh, what our hopes and fears are for the rest of our lives. So, uh, so let's uh, let's uh, bring up our good friends uh, from the uh, podcast Chapo Trap House. Uh, do we have any fans here of the? Uh, podcast? All right, let's bring them up right now. Chris and Matt and Will, let's hear it for them. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hello, Manchester. Hello, Manchester. Manchester. So uh, uh, we have uh, uh, Will Meneker uh, here. Uh, he's right here. No. <laughs> People wonder, you know, because we, we hear your voices on the radio, I mean, on the podcast, uh, but we don't see you. So There's a reason for that. Yeah. We have faces and voices for radio. <laughs> Matt Chrisman. Hey. And Chris Wade. Yes. Hi, everybody. And, uh, and, and Virgil was going to be here, uh, but has pneumonia. Everyone is sick but us, basically. We're the last. <laughs> yeah. You're, we're going to have to, tonight we have a show uh, in Derry, and we're probably going to have to wheel them all in on hospital beds. They're going to be in uh, full body casts yeah. uh, with just a little drip of, yeah. uh, of, of fluid going into them. Yeah. But if you guys don't, if you're not sick yet, that means you're still carriers well, because you've been yeah. around these other. I mean, I'm, I'm coming off of it, as you can hear in my voice right now. So like, yeah, we've been on the road. We were in Iowa last week. Now we're in New Hampshire. Uh, it's a grind. Uh, we're out there spreading the, the, good, the good word about our sweet king, Bernard Sanders. Yes. But, <laughs> but I fear, unfortunately, we are also spreading the coronavirus. <laughs> so I think it may be a push at the end of the day of our, our efforts here. No. Not, not me. I feel great. Yeah. I feel great. <laughs> Let's explain to the people who are listening. Though, this is my podcast. We're not, we're not, I've done your podcast. Yes. Uh, which indeed. was great. Thank you for coming to Michigan. Absolutely. And, that was a blast. Uh, that, was, that was a great night. And th there was so much alcohol consumed, <laughs> and yet you kept the thing going. Uh, it's uh, uh, it's podcaster fuel. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> no, but the but but you but for the so for the people listening to my podcast, the reason why uh, these uh, three gentlemen, Amber was supposed to be here too. Also sick. Also sick. <laughs> also sick. <laughs> yes. This uh, Chapel Trap House uh, is, uh, if not my favorite, one of my top favorite podcasts. Uh, available uh, because they truly don't give a shit, <laughs> and and by not giving a shit, they give a shit a lot. Uh -huh. um, because because you are fierce and relentless, and you don't care about pleasing anybody but your own conscience and how you're feeling, and that 
is very powerful uh, to listen to. It's so rare to hear the authenticity that comes from this. So if you're listening to my podcast after this is done, please check out Chapo Trap House. It's spelled C-H-A-P-O, right? Like, yes. the, like the drug lord, like the infamous mass murdering so drug lord. So it is, it's sort of an homage to yeah. El Chapo and his trapdoor. Yeah. In his house, and <laughs> yes, exactly. escape through. Exactly. Praise from uh, Caesar. Uh, praise from Caesar, Michael. Can, can I just say uh, on that praise, we got it from you, Dad. It's true. Oh, the, oh, you mean me? Yes. Oh, that sort of not giving. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. Uh, I know this is weird because I have people come up to me now, your age and younger, and they'll say things like, "We're your babies." Yes. And my yes. first thought is. No, I really. <laughs> I've been very careful. Yeah, I have a, actually have a process server here for you for the paternity <laughs> papers. I mean, uh, along those lines, though, I mean, I, I was thinking, like, you know, we're uh, recording this episode with Michael Moore. Uh, we've had you on the show. We did an event with you at uh, at, at BAM for your for your last movie. Um, but you know, but to be here now, especially in this context where you know we are all in right now, yep. all in, because this is this is we're playing for everything. This is it. We're playing for keeps right now, right here in New Hampshire. That's it. That's it. There's nothing more important right here and now than prevailing on Tuesday, which we will. But it's just the, the sort of culmination of, you know, I remember first seeing Roger and me. Yeah. And it just it, it, throughout your career as a, as a filmmaker and as a public figure, you've been at, you know, the forefront of like every one of these issues, whether it's like a single payer health, the fight for single payer health care, uh, the anti-war movement and just the general uh, resistance to the capitalist domination of like every aspect of our economy and culture. And because of that, at various points in your career, you've been, I don't know, one of the most hated people in this country or one of the most lambasted or not taken seriously or a figure of derision among certain corridors of serious opinion. But what does it feel like to be here now based on, like, being, after being involved in so many of these movements and causes in, in this country for so long, what does it feel like to be here right now here in New Hampshire as part of this Bernie Sanders movement? The same. <laughs> I, I, I was trying to think of the derision. You know, it's it's funny because that doesn't change. Um, I had dinner last night with uh, Bernie and Jane uh, before his speech at the big New Hampshire Democratic Party thing in the arena. They're... 5,000 plate or 5,000 table. Oh, yeah. We're made food. I remember. I heard yeah. about that. Yeah. Now, well, uh, no, but Bernie, Bernie refused to participate in it. Sure. Uh, and of instead, God bless him. God bless him. Yeah, wanted to. He had dinner uh, with myself and other campaign workers at an Italian restaurant uh, here in uh, Manchester. And we went in there and we sat down and he picks up the menu and he goes, Oh, this is, this is real Italian. <laughs> and I and I and I said real Italian food. And I said, how do you how do you how do you know that? He said, because I can't I don't know what half the words mean. <laughs> and so I know this is real. If it just said spaghetti and meatballs, I, I, I know I wasn't in a real place. But this is he's so funny. I mean, he's so um, uh, so we were going to go then from the dinner over to his speech yeah. at the arena, and we were given our our passes to sit with the Sanders family, and. Um, when when we uh, we were told beforehand that there was some kerfuffle going on because the New Hampshire Democratic Party and the DNC was upset 
that Bernie didn't pay the $175,000 for the, for the $25,000 tables uh, that the other candidates paid. And he said, no, we're going to use this to get elected on yeah. Tuesday. <laughs> and, um, and so what he did do was there's bleachers where peop- the, the have-nots mm-hmm. pay some small $5, $10 price. Mm-hmm. They can sit up in the bleachers of the arena and watch while the people who have money eat their their fancy dinner and drink. Maybe they'll be tossed a turkey leg by the uh, the <laughs> lord of love, the manor. You gotta love the Democratic Party. <laughs> no, I know. Party of the people. Yeah, so, so this is what I said to Bernie. I said, so what here, I said, this is what you should do. Uh, when, it, you, when you're doing your acknowledgements, you know, like each of the candidates will acknowledge their set of tables and then they're all, all the people at those tables will cheer. You should, you should pretend that you've got tables <laughs> and acknowledge I'd like to. I'd like to acknowledge my my people here, and then of course there's nobody yeah. there except he he paid for those five dollar tickets or whatever for a thousand people <laughs> went knocking on doors yesterday and they were in the bleachers. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Hell yeah! And I mean, and so I said just. They'll all cheer. The visual of it will be so great that they're up there, and then the wealthy, the wealthy ones down below can, as you said, throw crumbs yeah. or turkey legs I mean, or whatever. That, that story, I mean, like, has been echoed uh, in our own experience. Uh, you know, for like this whole campaign. I remember, like, when we went to Netroots Nation, the yes. convention in Philadelphia uh, last summer. If you're not familiar with it, it's a you know just the the, the horrible funnel oh, for just you know to channel. Uh, progressive liberal sentiment through the internet into, I don't know, Elizabeth Warren and Pete Buttigieg or whoever. Um, And uh, Bernie Sanders was one of the only candidates who uh, did not show up at this (laughs) forum in Netroots Nation, which is like a big, you know, liberal convention. Coase was Uh, very mad at him. And what he did do, though, was he showed up in Philadelphia the next day to walk a picket line of people protesting the the privatization and closure of a public hospital in Philadelphia. That's really who he is. And... Go ahead. And to and, and to your point uh, about like uh, I know I know uh, we, we we saw it like as the news was breaking last night. You know, uh, Pete Buttigieg uh, booed by Bernie Sanders supporters <laughs> at the, uh, the this New Hampshire uh, political dinner, and it said Bernie Sanders supporters are booing Mayor Pete. It's real. It's coordinated. And I thought to myself, gee, I can think of something else that was coordinated. <laughs> That happened pretty recently, involving Mayor Pete and Bernie Sanders, and it wasn't fucking booing. It was the entire Iowa caucus, which let's shall we not let's not forget Bernie won decisively. That's right, and it was also it wasn't it wasn't we were there in Iowa. It wasn't just the caucus the day before the 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 highly acclaimed Des Moines Register poll that is published yep. every yep. year, the day before the Iowa caucus, Mayor Pete complains that the poll wasn't fair because there was one person who, when they got the call from the pollster, said that uh, that Pete's name wasn't mentioned. And therefore, they scrapped the whole poll. Even though the poll was done, they wouldn't release the results until somebody leaked it. And of course, what were the results? Bernie was number one yes. and Pete was number three. Yes. And See, it just it, that seems weird, right? Yeah. Two days in a row. Seems a bit odd, right? Like you know, I, I don't know. We're uh, not conspiracy come, theorists. Come to our show in Derry tonight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt cannot get too sprung right now on this, but no. we, we we will be discussing uh, this further. Let me just say, I will have taken my spinach beforehand, and uh, <laughs> we're we're gonna have a deep dive on on Mayor Pete there. 
it's there's just so I the even the New York Times has been kind of amazing this week in the sense of really showing how that the uh, weirdness and the miscounts are mostly in these Bernie areas. Yeah, weird, right? Weird. Like, it was odd that you know. It's just so strange. It's, just, it's strange. You know, <laughs> it could be an accident. I don't know. And and um and the fact that. They, this is the shadow thing, the app company. Unbelievable. (laughs) The CEO of the company's husband works for Pete Buttigieg's (laughs) campaign. Again, weird. I don't know if you... That's right. You don't have to believe in a conspiracy theory. That's the New York Times telling us that. It's certainly a conflict of interest, right? (laughs) Obviously. Obviously. Or or that shadows, uh, I believe, number one client, the person who paid them the most for their work, is somebody named... Pete Buttigieg, $42,000 that his campaign gave this. So we have back-to-back on Sunday and Monday this crazy thing happening where the Des Moines Register poll is spiked and then the vote of the people is spiked (laughs) the next day. Yeah, it's just this Iowa caucus thing, yeah, we're not doing that. It's, it's not happening. Hey, that thing that... It, hey, hi, Iowa, Iowa Democratic uh, leader here. Yeah, you know how we have this stupid ritual we do every four years where all the candidates have to like put a pickle in their... pickled egg in their mouth and whoever can hold it the longest becomes a nominee. And it's the only reason that we have all these bullshit corn subsidies in the first place because we have this incredible influence. And if it wasn't for the Iowa caucus, we would just be Nebraska and no one would give a shit about us. <laughs> Nebraska too. We're just going to torch this entire thing to make sure Bernie doesn't win it. We're going to end it. Like, this is the last Iowa caucus, and they're yeah. willing to do that to stop Bernie. Yeah. I mean, this it's is... that important. It's that important. Yeah, yes. Michael. I mean, like, like Mike, this is this is really, like, the, the, the theme for us this week. And, like, you know, we're going to do a show. And, and, you know, how do you talk about this? Like, how do you see this happening? Whether you believe it is either, like, the most gross in, incompetence and greed imaginable or, like, actual an actual collusion and conspiracy on behalf of the media, a political campaign, and the de- Democratic Party and their donors, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because the end result is exactly the same. It both equals the same thing, which is the subversion of a popular left-wing move, Democratic movement in this country. And so, like, that's really the theme for us this week is, like, it is terrifying to think about what they're willing to do to stop this from happening. But what I'm telling people over and over again, and I'll say now to you here in this room, hold close and keep strong to the idea that you are making them do this because we are winning. And they wouldn't, like, you you are making them become so obvious in their fraudulence and criminality that it's going to be so hard for anyone to possibly ever said like deny who they really are again and if we win here on Tuesday as I, I'm confident we will it will be impossible for them to stop us I believe that and you know what I think we those of us on this stage uh, have to constantly listen to these comments from people don't attack Democrats don't attack the Democratic Party <laughs> oh, we have to have unity unity <laughs> unity, I, unity I've never unity. no I've never got been on the receiving end but, of that but, no. In a, but a few weeks ago, when Hillary Clinton said that nobody likes Bernie, and and she came out and said and said that she uh, may not endorse him should he be the nominee, then Joe good, Biden good. said it. Then Hillary said it again two days ago. She doubled down on it. They're not backing away. They're not backing away. It's they're the divisive ones. Yes. They're dividing because what they're saying when they say that they don't know if they'll commit to endorsing and voting for Bernie, should he be the nominee, 
they are saying, I would rather have Donald Trump as president yes. of the United States. And we yes. need to make that clear yes. every time they do this. And not only that, but the uh, the moral uh, blackmail involves in like, you know, again, the fact that we and Sanders support is the only one that is routinely harassed with, you know, well, you know, are you going to vote for a Democrat? Are you going to vote for the Democrat? Do you, don't you want it to stop Donald Trump? Well, it's like, well, yeah, of course I do. I wanted to stop him in 2016. I, we gave you a chance to do that, but you, <laughs> you fucked up. So, like, don't come to me and complain about all this evil stuff Trump is doing. It's bad. It's awful. I take it seriously. That's why I'm here. But, yes. like, don't blame me for it. It's your fault we're in this situation in and the first per place. It's personally offensive to me because she wouldn't come to Michigan. She wouldn't come to Wisconsin, two states that she lost to Bernie in the primary. Yes. If you lost your own primary with your own people, the, the people who vote Democrat, yeah. wouldn't you show up? Wouldn't you show up once? <laughs> not only did they not show up, they had canvassers in Iowa who were giving up because Iowa, which had gone for Obama twice, was out of reach, and they already knew that, and they didn't think that that was enough of a warning sign that their people were telling them that Iowa, which Obama went twice, was done, and they couldn't get it. They're like, well, I guess we'll go to Michigan, and Robbie Moo calls them up and says, turn those things around. We're doing a secret double, uh, 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 we're going to do a double bluff and keep resources in Iowa, so... Uh, because we're we have the algorithm. We're gonna win Michigan. Don't worry about it. And then they all lost. And those losers are now telling you what it takes to win. I'll tell you what it takes to win. Do the opposite of whatever you say. Don't listen to losers. Yes. Don't let these people who lost the most winnable election of our, anybody's lifetime tell you, give you the strategy to do the same thing again. The, I, I want to just uh, also tell you a couple other things I've seen of Bernie uh, this last week or so. Um, at, at the debate on um, Friday night here, um, if you were watching it on TV in the after show afterwards, did you notice he did not go into the spin room? He wouldn't go. He said, you go to the spin room. I don't spin. Uh, that, that's actually that's actually something that we remember because we all we were all at the uh, Iowa State Fair covering all the candidates there. And after they give their soapbox speech, there's a little like media corral where they like herd them in like their little prize piggies, and you and all the media can yell at each of the candidates. And everyone comes in and uh, you know dabs their head because it's very hot. All all the candidates come in and then immediately turn and be like. What do, you, what do you want from me, media? What can I say to you, media, to, that, that it will make you like me more? What, what, what can I do? And Bernie was the only one while we were standing there who walked back into the media tent and without missing a beat or breaking his stride, just started immediately giving his platform to, to the media. No questions, being like, here's the deal. I'm telling you what I am about right now. It was, it was amazing. And then when they did ask him a question, my favorite question of the entire uh uh, Iowa caucus, Iowa uh, State Fair. Cor corn wrangle, whatever they call it. <laughs> all, it was all idiot questions, and uh, the press just like you get depressed at how stupid the questions are. But the best one was someone said, uh, "You're having a, a surge in the polls here in Iowa. Are you concerned that it's not as big as the bump that your, uh, Kamala Harris is getting?" <laughs> and he said, "I think you need to check w what polls you're looking at." <laughs> So, anyways, those of us who were with Bernie last night, we went over to the arena, and we had the they had we had these special passes from that you know had his uh, where he was sitting with his family, and we were all to sit together. And we got to the door, and they wouldn't let me in uh, of the, of the arena. <laughs> so you ask about this sort of uh, thirty years of this kind of animosity, hatred, derision, etc. And I'm thinking, God, even after all these years, you know, and I got Democrats. 
uh, saying you can't come in. I said, here, I'm, here's my, I'm with, this has been approved actually by the New Hampshire Democratic Party. It says New Hampshire Democratic Party on the, on the thing, and it's with Bernie, and it's his seats. And, uh, and so I didn't get in. Um, ben and Jerry didn't get in. Uh, <laughs> ben and Jerry yeah. were kept out? And they had a big vat of ice cream that they were handing out. <laughs> they wouldn't let them in. Uh, Nina Turner uh, didn't go. Oh, of course not. Uh, no, I'm serious. Uh, oh, my God. One of the people from the New Hampshire Democratic Party came up to me and said, this is so embarrassing. I don't. I said, no, nah, don't worry about it. It's, we're very used to this. In fact, I take it as a badge of honor. Yes. Um, and I know, and I'm, I'm sure there are people here today from other campaigns and uh, whatever, and we'll, we'll probably hear uh, from you uh, shortly. Um, not too shortly, but, um, <laughs> but no, but I've, I've been, I have put requests out to actually do the other candidates to come on my podcast uh, while I've been here uh, in New Hampshire, and nobody has said yes, because I really would love to talk to them. I said on my podcast uh, last night that um, at the debate on Friday, I think each of the candidates said something that was very powerful. I loved how Biden went over and hugged Bernie. I mean, no, it was, <laughs> yeah, right. It was yeah. kind of kind of sweet, and and I think you know Joe knows that it's over, and uh, and <laughs> I mean, I mean, the, yeah. the first the, the first words of the debate first, were, hey, "Hey, I ate shit in Iowa. I'm probably going to eat shit in New Hampshire." <laughs> it's it's weird though. When when the the person who's over that is is politically deceased yeah. gets up and welcomes and loves and hugs well because the, there's one man on that stage who's like an actual human being that everyone yeah. recognizes that yeah. and and better than that is that honestly for whatever reason <coughs> CIA <coughs> that uh, that that the establishment last backstop is Pete Buttigieg CIA literally it's because of the CIA. Um, <laughs> Uh, former naval intelligence officer, <laughs> uh, whose job it was in Afghanistan to disrupt, yes, to, to use psyops, yes, uh, and to also disrupt Al Qaeda's and Taliban's financial and in the situation. Horn of That's Africa too, in the Horn of Africa too, literally like sounding out local tribal leaders to embed U.S. military, allegedly. Um, but no, but it gave me such confidence in our in our military intelligence people <laughs> last week that two days in a row that the poll from the Des Moines yeah. Register could get spiked with one phone call. Yeah. And the next day, all this nonsense. Yeah. And then he goes out and declares he's the winner yeah. when zero votes are in. Yeah. I thought that that really is genius training. Yes. That that our our yeah, um, the, the but, but the problem is is that they're all doing this on behalf of a rat faced little turd who no one likes. <laughs> No one on that stage likes him. I don't even think... And most people who are like v voting now, this is their first introduction to him. And so, yeah, his polls are going up because they're pushing him on you this hard. But I really feel like people take a look and they listen to that phony baloney sh stuff last night. By the way, I am now 100% convinced that he does the Elizabeth Holmes thing with his voice to sound deeper. There, that he does not... Like, he's like, look, the American people want to move beyond divisions. But that's not your voice, dude. Shut up. So is this phony guy with this fake deep voice just saying, the politics of the future are not of the past. For, for, just twirling towards freedom. And it's like, who is this little grub worm? Who is this little teacher's pet little piss ant? And I, and I know this is because we saw Amy Klobuchar. We just saw Amy next door. She was, uh, she was saying, hey, right now, God bless her. Yes. She's only taking votes away from Pete. 
Go on. Go ahead now, Amy. Go off, Amy. Go so off. She's, so she's shaking hands in the in the cafe next door. And of course, we all know that she probably hates Pete Buttigieg more than anyone in the world because this like, is a grinder. I am the sensible Midwesterner. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? I'm, I'm a two-term senator from Minnesota. You're the mayor of bumfuck Indiana. What are you doing? And so uh, you know that she hates him for his, for jumping the line more than anything. The same reason Hillary hated Obama so much in 2008. But this is even worse. At least he was in the Senate. And so we got a chance to say hi to her. We had the Bernie pins on. Will said, we're here for another candidate. She was very gracious about that. She didn't say fuck you. Uh, <laughs> I, I wish she did. Yeah, honestly. Uh, and then Will says, you know, she wanted to say we it. just wanted to say you did a great job last night. She said, thank you. And I said, really great the way that you put that little twerp in his place. And she turned away and laughed. She laughing because she knows. She laughing because she knows. Uh, it, it, it started out as kind of a joke on our show, but more and more I have been coming unironically around to the idea of a Sanders Klobuchar ticket. As long as Bernie is given some sort of immortality potion. Because Ber when asked about it, Bernie's Senate strategy is explicitly having a strong vice president who yes. will dom the Senate into submission. And I could not think of Honestly. a better person to put her sensible heel on the neck of every senator <laughs> than Amy Klobuchar. I mean, it sure as shit isn't going to be Chuck Schumer. Yes. They might not have the same politics, but I think that if she was given the charge yeah. to just to, to inflict her will, our will, <laughs> yeah. on a group of recalcitrant old men... I think that she would get in line and take the and take the uh, the, the she'd the, be like the whatever. Just give me. I get to beat him up. Yeah, like that guy in Braveheart is like. I hear you're killing the English. I'm, I'm gonna... <laughs> uh, but you know, to the, this point about uh, uh, like likability, like and and you know, we we we've been on the campaign for like covering Iowa here, and you know. I'm doing my my bullshit uh, Thomas Friedman style reporting of interacting and talking to the uh, the normal folks, the people out here who stop to the ass. yeah who don't uh, interact with politics or follow it as closely as you know uh, the weirdos, a, 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 a sicko like me who is a masochist <laughs> and a sadist, and that's why I'm I'm doing this shit. But um, you talk to people, and I, I swear to God, like you know, I mean, this is anecdote data by anecdote, but it really is true. People like Bernie Sanders. They yeah. like they believe in what he stands for. They said I, I like a lot about what he says. Like I you know and and I, I think he's like an authentic guy. Like that that comes across. The thing is it's just they don't the, the hurdle is they just don't think he's like electable or they don't they don't believe it's really possible because, you know, either they're, you know, sort of checked out and they politics is just sort of something to talk about at the water cooler and they interact with it very much within the corral of the kind of like media, like the, within the parameters of what they're shown, either by like the press or, or television, and they don't, they can't imagine that it's possible, yeah. or they think there's there must be some good reason, right, why America doesn't have single health care, yeah. payer health care, if they understand it. There's got to be a sensible reason. It just must be. It's so complicated, yeah. right? People need permission. They need permission, and that's what I'm saying here is that people are dying to vote for Bernie Sanders, but they just need to give themselves permission to do it if they think he can win. Yeah. And if they think he can win, like there's no amount of money or like, you know, support that like he won't get if they think he could actually be president. But they they've been people are so conditioned and disciplined in this country to think that that's not true. And the thing that this is what is so important about him winning Iowa and, and them fudging the results of it, by the way, that's why they did that yeah. was to deny him a victory speech in prime time in 8:30. 
media declares Bernie Sanders the winner of the Iowa caucus. That opens up the key, and they slam that door shut again. And that's why right here in New Hampshire, you've got to put an exclamation point on what we all know. He is electable. He can win. He will win. And that's why they're trying so hard to stop it. And that is, honestly, I feel like an underrated argument for people who are less connected to politics, they don't, and they sensibly don't have some sort of weird parasocial relationship with the Democratic Party, <laughs> like the weirdos who hate Bernie. I mean, that is a unifying feature. It's like, if you think the Democratic Party is a good thing, you probably hate Bernie, but that also means that you you sip on, like, lead paint. I don't know how to explain <laughs> it. Like, something is wrong with you if you think that. I think for regular people, for whom the Democratic Party is one of the worst brands in America, because, like, the Republicans obviously are very unpopular with regular people, but among Republicans, especially now that Trump has taken over the party, they love the Republican Party because they own the libs. But even people who hate the Republicans and vote Democrat hate the Democratic Party. <laughs> so if you're... If Bernie, you're talking to Bernie somebody... Bernie polls better as a socialist... As a socialist than, than as, as a, a Democrat. Democrat. That's a fact. And the thing is, you get those people who are just kind of paying attention, and maybe they think, you know, hey, he sounds good, but I don't know if it's possible. You just be like, look at what they're... Look at the lengths they're going to to stop him. Doesn't that tell you that he really is a threat? That they would blow up their own yes. caucus Like, he to clearly threatens it really, them. It, it, no, he's a huge threat. It's... Yeah. In, it's Bloomberg's only running because yeah. he was smart enough to see that Biden was, was never going to carry yeah. the day. Yeah. And so <clears throat> he'll put hundreds of millions of dollars of his own money into this just to stop this because they actually read the polls. Yeah, They know the latest poll amongst Democrats, 57% of Democrats say they have a more positive view of socialism than they do of capitalism. <laughs> 57%. All right? The... In every, in every poll for the last four years or so, when young voters are asked, 18 to 35, sometimes 18 to 45, uh, do you prefer socialism or capitalism? Socialism has won in every single poll. Yep. And some so, of those demographics is up to like 70%. It's, like, it's insane. But how, if you how, watch the pundits how, on how TV, they're like, they, they're like, they think this is the killer. And, and I can tell you, those, you know, those of us who've been going door to door or talking to people on the street here in New Hampshire, I'll tell you the, the number one, two or three questions I get. Number one, he can't win. He can't beat Trump. He's a socialist. And this is you're right about this. The fear amongst people. Otherwise, I said, well, do you like Bernie? Oh yeah, I actually like everything he stands for. <laughs> yeah. Well, then what are you afraid of? Well, because I, I, we have to elect somebody who's going to beat Trump. I said, have you seen the polls? They've been consistent. For the last few months, he when beats you do head Trump. to head, head to head, right? He beats Trump in every poll. Every poll, more yes. by a higher percentage than anyone else. Than anyone else. You know who loses to Trump in in, in a head to head? Pete fucking Buttigieg. <laughs> Not a joke. Uh, sp speaking of that, how ingrained that fear is. It's a it's a little like how Fox News was propagandizing to uh, the Republican base, and then all those propagandized Republicans then just became the uh, the politicians yeah. and like actually believe all this stuff. The thing about being projecting fear of socialism has now become so ingrained. Did you guys all see the cl clip of Chris Matthews the other day <laughs> saying that if Bernie is elected, I will be, I personally will be executed in Central Park. <laughs> Don't threaten me. Never mind. Yes. Um, <laughs> but it's like, it's, it's, it's like, Bernie, I would like 
to give everybody in America health care. Chris Matthews, I will, I will literally be killed by this. <laughs> uh, I, I was, we, got, we got Lawrence McDonald coming up after the break, and then a little bit after that, I'm going to be executed at the shoes battle <laughs> in Central Park. Oh, wow, well, yeah. We got a real great ditch here filling up with pundits. Um, next in line, got to put a bullet in my head. Uh, reminds me a lot of the Bat Party Congress, 1979. Stop saying. Uh, he really dug. He cleaned up that uh, party right there. It's kind of like that. Anyway, bye-bye, guys. <laughs> so they bring me on. They bring me on MSNBC right after this. Right after this small win. Oh, my God. And the first, the first, question, the first question is, how are you going to elect somebody uh, who loves Castro? <laughs> and I said, Bernie does love Julian Castro. <laughs> as, do, as do many Americans. What is your problem with this? The it? thing is, they... they it, it's... They pressed the button too much, and it wore out. The Democrats have already done that with the Bernie bro thing. It doesn't work anymore. They're banging the button. It's like everyone knows it's bullshit by now. And now the Republicans, they spent 20 years, 40 years calling everybody a socialist. They called Barack Obama a socialist. They called John Kerry a socialist. <laughs> they called Franklin Roosevelt a communist. I, yeah, yeah I mean, over and over again. That's, and Bernie's going to go through the same thing. Even Rat Boy says they're going to call us socialists no matter what. And it's like, yeah, but they're going to be calling socialism something that people actually would want and make their lives better. It's not an abstract scare term. Oh, socialism means I can get health care without it bankrupting me and my family. I can send my kids to college. That's what socialism means. That sounds fine to me. I thought it was. I thought it was. Uh, 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 if you like your health care, you can keep it. Obamacare, Rube Goldberg contraption bullshit. Socialism is where everyone pays into the pot and the rich pay more. Yes, yes. that's all that is. And and then what you get from that, if from the pot that everyone's paid into, is you get roads. And you get libraries, and you get public schools. These are all socialist yes. things. They're all socialized, and and that's why, when Franklin Roosevelt came up with the idea, and the people that were behind Social Security, unemployment insurance, all this stuff. And the, we have we are already a socialist country because the true socialism that exists is a socialism for corporations, yeah. for the yeah. banks. Yes. Yeah. If you fuck up as a bank, we we. The corporate socialist government of the United States of America, we will bail you out. If you've hit hard times, you've lost your job, you've gotten your wages are garnished because of a hospital bill. Oh, we're not, we're not socialists for you. We're well, not. We're you're over as far I mean, as we're concerned. Yeah, like to this question about like you know uh, socialism is just a matter of like you know who's paying what for what, and you can say that like look socialism is like yeah uh, it is the, the the maintenance of a basic structure of like civil society, humane and, society. Yeah, humane society, but it, but it's more than that, and what and what Bernie Sanders is offering is it's not so much that like a redistribution of wealth to create a like a, a baseline of like in the wealthiest country in the world a quality of life that every single person deserves in terms of health, healthcare, housing, education, as rights, as just creating a basic standard level that, like, that, that, we could, that will allow us to thrive and have a democracy. But it's more than that. It's not just about the redistribution of wealth. It's about the redistribution of power. Yes. yes. It's about the redistribution of power from the owners of this country to the working class of this country. Yes. And That's that power, why they're so afraid. And that power means that we... We, the people, can organize and democratically control our economy 
We can organize it in a way that allows for human thriving and freedom. And by freedom, I mean not just the freedom from being shackled to debt for your entire life, just so that you can like get an education and then get a job that you'll also be shackled to for the rest of your life. It means more free time. It means more free time away from the market, from interacting and selling your labor and every waking hour of your day over and over and over again, making money for other people. That is what freedom means and that socialism offers the power of the masses, the large majority of us to take in our hands the ability to organize our economy in a way that works for us and that it contributes to human thriving in the, like I said, the wealthiest, most technologically advanced country in the history of humanity. I don't know, man. That all sounds fine. But have you considered universal mandatory internships? <laughs> yeah. The Mayor Pete and his plan for everyone to uh, go and, I don't know, collate papers somewhere for two years so that they could put something on their resume. That's what's. That's the social. That's the thing that's going to bind this nation's wounds, according to Buttigieg. Well, he is announced, everybody is going to have to do an internship. When he and then you that, just put it in your resume. When he announced that the other day, my first thought was, why is the, the he's already polling amongst millennials? What two two <laughs> percent? Yes, yeah. slightly above his polling yes. above black voters. Yes, zero percent. Yeah. Um, that that how is he going to gain the vote of any eighteen? Uh, to 25-year-old when he's telling every young person has to do mandatory service when they uh, when they turn 18. And, and the thing is, it's not, I mean, like, you want to talk about a, like a model for that, like the WPA or something? Like, we're going to need that kind of level of, like, mobilization and labor to, to, do, to address climate change, for example. Like, there will have to be some sort of, you know, new, new green, like, the, when we say Green New Deal, that includes that kind of mass mobilization, the kind of thing that gives people real jobs, that give them a sense of purpose, give them money. Give them, give them a sense of destiny, feel like they're controlling it. And what he wants to do is just send you to some office but to sit there and push, push papers around. And then that means, well, you know what? They're going to consider that in your job application when you apply to work at McKinsey or some stuff. Like, it's literally just, we're still in a rat race. We're not doing anything together. We're still competing with one another in the, mar in the marketplace for a job. And we're just going to basically make everybody do the same thing to get that little resume builder. Just one more thing you have to do, like pass a standardized test, graduate from high school, another hurdle to jump, another fucking, another uh, uh, bend in the rat maze to maybe have a, uh, a middle class existence if you're lucky, uh, instead what? of bringing everybody together to save the fucking planet. What can we, what, 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 for the people who are listening and the people who are here, what can they, let's, I want to go back to this, the Bernie can't win business. Yeah. Um, other than just giving, citing the polls that show that to be not true, mm -hmm. what else can people tell their friends and family gotta, members yeah. and coworkers? Because I, I think one. this is our big block here. I got a good one about this. Yeah. Like, and you know, you know, the majority of people, like you know, we we were we were canvassing in Iowa. Uh, we've talked so many times to just so many amazing volunteers who have come out, not just from all over this country, to canvass for Bernie Sanders. You know, people when we were in Des Moines the other week. People came from uh, Denver, from Florida, from, from Australia, Albany, from Australia, from Dublin, Ireland, to canvas for Bernie Sanders in the middle of this country. 
you know, we like, we asked them, like, you know, what, what are your canvassing experiences like? You know, what's the pitch like? And, you know, it's like, there's a lot of different strategies and responses. And, like, the, most of the people you're interacting with are not, like, you know, hardcore political people. And if they're Democrats, chances are, like, the, you know, they hold close to the memory of Obama because they just, you know, he won. Yeah. He won. And, like, that's what people want. All They, they just want to win. So when it comes to Bernie Sanders, I mean, people's memories are very short. Back in 2008... A lot of people liked Obama. There was a lot of youth excitement, and quite frankly, there was some excitement for him on the left as well as the alternative to Hillary Clinton because even though he was a state senator, he did not vote for the Iraq war, and that made a big difference between the contrast yeah. between him and Hillary Clinton. But as it became closer, or as he like, you know, had a little momentum, all these same questions were asked about him, not by the Republicans, but by establishment Democrats. Can he really win? Is America really ready to have a black man as president? That was you know, the whispering, whispering, whispering in about it. You know, oh, he's untested, or like, you know, he he maybe maybe he's a little too left wing. And then in Iowa, lo and behold, they voted for him and he won. And they just did that for Bernie Sanders too. And it's just like all they're looking for, like I said, all people are looking for is just proof that, that he can win. Yeah. And that's what happened with Obama. And they asked all those same questions about him that they're asking about uh, Bernie. And the answer was, once he started winning, he won. Yeah, and if, 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 if the can, case by, but, by victory. And if you can draw that comparison between the two of them, um, uh, like I, I, think you can, I think you can bring people around. Uh, I argue with my mom a lot about this kind of stuff. And this is probably isn't the best pitch for canvassing because it's a little sarcastic, but she's always like, can Bur I just don't think Bernie can win. I, I don't think Bernie can win. And my response is always, is always not with that attitude. <laughs> if you are the one standing in between him and winning right now. If you like all his stuff and your mentality is I like everything about him, I just don't think he can win. And again, this isn't the right pitch for canvassing. Your problem's with you, dude. You're this one in the way of him winning. Just to finish up the, the, the comparison between Bernie and Obama pitch. Well, like, why did Obama win? Obama won because he had massive youth turnout and massive turnout among African-American voters. The Iowa caucus that just happened, Bernie had a bigger youth turnout than Obama did in 2008 in Iowa. The Democrats are not going to win this election without that energy. To the second point, massive, overwhelming African-American support. Joe Biden currently is the leader of that. He has the most African-American support, according to polls. Bernie is very clearly number two, and then number three is a huge fall-off. Yeah. And I'm sorry, when you try to explain this to Elizabeth Warren or Pete Buttigieg supporters, that their candidate has almost no support among black and Latino voters, they don't believe you. <laughs> they think you're making it up. They're intersectional. I don't understand what you mean. They There's literally, no way that could be the case. They literally don't believe you. Look at I know I know I, I know Iowa is an overwhelmingly white state, but look at the results from that state among the non-white population of who voted for who, and it was overwhelmingly the non-white voters of that state went for Bernie Sanders. This is the Washington Post. I'm saying 40 percent of African American voters, when polled, said they will not vote for Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> so if you want to nominate this guy or any of these other people, then you're going to have to deal with the fact that you're not going to have a massive youth turnout, and you're not going to have a lot of solid support from non white voters because uh, quite frankly correctly they, they can smell and see a phony a mile away and I'm sorry the rest of these people are <laughs> the people who have been yelling at Bernie supporters for five years saying that they don't do well or that they're, they're ignoring the non-white vote then the second that he picks up the 4% of the state that is non-white they say those people don't matter <laughs> those people are, are they're, 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 they're literally nobody not only that 
it was these satellite caucuses of, you know, we're talking about immigrant and refugee populations from Muslim Sudan, the, the Muslim community in Iowa. These are the satellite caucuses that were organized that were overwhelmingly those voters. The Sanders campaign were the only people who organized and canvassed those That's communities. That's cheating. They, they sent people to work the, the, after the 12 to like the midnight to two o'clock shift at these meatpacking factories that are mostly worked by, by immigrants and who many of whom voted for the first time in this caucus. Those satellite caucuses went overwhelmingly for Bernie by a landslide. And guess what? At the very end, they realized, oh, wait, wait, in, in this delegate counting, we didn't, the New York Times needle didn't take needle. those into consideration. Obey the needle. And the needle went from 99% sure to Buttigieg back to zero <laughs> because they figured they didn't realize they didn't count those votes. And neither Guess did what any happened of the other after campaigns. that? Guess what happened after that? Mayor Pete's campaign started complaining to the Iowa Democratic Party that they need to change the way that they allowed state super delegate, whatever, I it can't explain it. They need to change the way they 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 count the votes or award delegates based on these satellite caucuses, change their own rules to literally disenfranchise the racial and religious minorities of Iowa. That's who he is. That's who we're up against. Don't, don't believe otherwise for a second. Last weekend, Politico um, had a report that a number of the members of the board of the Democratic National Committee were getting together last weekend to talk about how we can change the rules because they changed it so that oh, the superdelegates yeah. can't vote on the first ballot this mm -hmm. year. They want to change it back because the super, they want to bring the superdelegates in. Not going to work. And it, no, it's, yeah. and, and, and ultimately, um, um, whoever ends up with the most delegates, I'm fairly certain it's going to be Bernie. Yes. Um, that, but it may not be 51% of all the delegates. So that means that, um, uh, people who uh, delegates who are for Elizabeth uh, and and uh, some for others uh, Andrew Yang um, uh, and uh, uh, I guess there's nobody else. But um, nobody else is. About I'm trying to think of anybody who's got some progressive. Uh, Tom Steyer. Steyer. Yes, his half delegate. Uh, his, that cost a hundred million dollars. You know that Geico commercial where the guy is half motorcycle, half human. That's like Steyer's one delegate, half delegate. Uh, Steyer's one delegate just going around all the other delegates being like, hey, you guys want to hang out later? <laughs> but <laughs> but they, I'm worried that, though, that we might be depressing the vote a bit because we're kind of speaking some truths that don't get spoken on television that, that aren't in the normal mainstream media, that we have a fight in front of us, a fight oh, like yeah. you've never seen before, and you have to be up for the fight. Yep. Because they're going to do, they're working on so many fronts. Mm -hmm. You've got the Bloomberg front representing mm -hmm. the, the billionaire class. You've got the Hillary uh, front representing the old guard, uh, what they call Democrats, but they aren't really. Um, you've got so many attacks going on here. The DNC itself, any plans that they might have to rig the convention again. This is so, it's so, let me just tell you, the people who are listening to my podcast right now, it's so overwhelming. And the level of depression and despair it creates, I'm so worried that people just, people have got to get up and go to work tomorrow morning and then leave that job and go to the next part-time job so they can pay the bills. Um, they're just like, what, what the, what, fuck it, what's the use? 
And the last thing we want anybody to do is to say, fuck it. Yeah. We want, we're trying to inspire people to rise up. Yes. To make a stand. You know, to not, this is our country. This is, these are our children. They have a, their plan is not to include the average everyday, the 99% of this public. But and thing, but so what are we, what well, are we I doing? Think what you do is you tell them, look what they had to do. Yes. Look what they had to do. And they still didn't, it didn't work. Because Bernie got the most votes in Iowa. Everyone understands that. And they torched the, their own but caucus. But the propaganda machine is still, I bet if we walked up and down and we went to the mall here and, and went from Sears to Penny's and asked people, who do you think won Iowa? I got to tell you, uh, Bernie will not be the name that comes out of the majority of people's mouths. The propaganda works. Oh, I'm not so sure that, about that. that. I, don't I, don't know. Know. I honestly don't know. Liberals I and Democrats. I, I, like, we're talking about the Thomas Friedman thing. Like We've talked to like people who are not politically poisoned, people who are not brain... People don't watch MSNBC all day. Because honestly, if you watch MSNBC for more than 30 minutes a day, you uh, are... Your brain is liquid. I'm sorry. You're not, you cannot be reasoned with. You, your brain has been replaced by DNC talking points. But for if you're not one of those people and you watch those results, you know what you think? You say, that was pretty fucking weird, man. What was that? Yeah, it seems fishy. What this, it looks fishy. I, I mean, I really do think that's true. And I think people who really want something better, when they see what happened in Iowa, I don't think they necessarily get discouraged. I think they get pissed off. Yes. Yeah, and I, I think, think that... Well, is the, what is going to be the dominant feeling. One of the things I've been keeping with me, because it was a very discouraging week, but one of the things I've just been keeping with me is given all the, the opposition that Michael just laid out, uh, including the entirety of the mainstream media, the fact that we are still doing so well is astounding. Here's the thing. Uh, Michael, to your point, you know, like, yeah, like after what happened, it... it <laughs> It's easy to feel uh, depressed or despairing because, like, look, they, they, they took it from us. We, 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 we won. And the propaganda machine is so intense and so omnipresent. But here's the thing. What it should tell you is that if it was anything close to being fair, we would have blown it out of the water. Yeah. It wouldn't have been close at all. So, so many times, like, we have fought against this in our, you know, in my, in, in my own life and self uh, uh, the feelings of despair and depression when you intellectually understand the the forces that are arrayed against the pop you know popular economic populism or a left-wing agenda in this country are so intense and terrifying that intellectually it is a rational response to withdraw into yourself into depression and alienation and cynicism but Everything I've seen in the lead up to this and certainly absolutely seeing it with my own eyes in Iowa and now here in New Hampshire, all I can tell you is the only way out of that fear and depression, even, no matter what happens, the only way out is to hew close to the strength you draw from other people who are, or who are helping and doing the same thing you are. If you were if you withdraw into yourself, then like there is no way out of that. You will only feel alienation and despair. But if you engage actively, if you get, remove yourself from passivity and engage actively in solidarity with other people who want the same things you do and are do here doing for the same reasons you are, that it, like it's a circle, and that is what solidarity is, and it's the only way out of fear and depression. And no matter what happens, you will feel stronger and better for it. And, I th and we will win because of it. Uh, uh, 
And I, I just want to add, add to that. That's like something I've been thinking about lately. And this, this really genuinely doesn't come from a point uh, of, of doom or despair. Uh, is that like this is a big and most importantly multi generational crowd here today. And from what we have seen going all across the country doing this, he's going to win. But it really doesn't matter if Bernie wins or not. Because the thing that his two campaigns has awoken, awoken in this country, the people who are here today, it's not just about Bernie Sanders. It's that we all know that there is no other choice but the path that he has laid out. And we are never going back to nope. the other way. The other nope. way. Have half that we are, measures. We are all... It's not... It's not him. It's us. It's it's literally true, and it really doesn't even matter if he wins or not. I mean, it obviously would be the good thing if he did if he did win. But e even if he doesn't, we are all still in this all together forever. And I don't. I have not met a single person who in this whole Bernie journey of ours uh, who is he out here for them who, who I think would be like, well, if it doesn't work out, then you know whatever. I would just go back to the Democrats or whatever. And no, it's either him. Or the end of the Democratic Party exactly. as we know it, exactly. and that That's is right. which is yeah. what's so funny is because like you know we our show started uh, after during the fuck during the 2016 election, and then after Trump became. One and shocked the world. We, that's when we kind of got our big boost because all these people who had sort of been on autopilot, were like, well, Hillary's more electable, were just woke up and it's like, how did this happen? How did this? <laughs> how did the senile game show host? How did the bad guy from a Verhoeven movie become president? <laughs> <laughs> and that's why they started listening to the show and we're trying to figure it out. And there are all these strains of like you know uh, leftist thought. The DSA explodes. People are like, what is to be done? And a lot of people honestly became very cynical about politics, very cynical about electoral politics for very good reasons. And a lot of people, I remember saying, oh, Bernie, that, that was not it. That, that's just the first. We need to just knew something else because the, the Democratic Party is too bad. And then they, I heard these people from the left saying, like, Bernie's sheepdogging people into that horrible, corrupt Democratic Party. And the fact is, he either wins and the Democratic Party, as we know it, is just completely changed. Com the root and branch, every disgusting DNC turd that you see on TV will be gone. Maybe not shot in the head in Central Park with Chris <laughs> Matthews, but like, not, out of a job. You're near Tantage. You're, you're Tom Perez. That's as bad to them as yeah. being executed. Yes, so far. I can't. I can't go to the diplomat whenever I want anymore. No, you might as well be, kill me. It'll be bye bye. You're done for. Or if they steal it from them, they're gonna destroy it because people are not gonna be let. They're not gonna shrug and say, oh well. Because the naked corruption, the naked part, of, the naked attempt to steal this is so obvious that that the Democrats are basically going to have to choose to self-immolate to stop him. And that means that even if Bernie doesn't win, we have a movement that knows who the enemies are, the that is not going to just sonambulantly go back to the Democratic fold and is going to demand something different. And either way, we're going to move forward with it. Because it's... The, the, like first is a question of can he win that you, somebody might ask you on the thing and I think we have a very good reason to explain it just show him the polls for God's sake these people worship polls and he, he's better than anybody else against Trump that, that's not, not even a question but the other one is well if he gets in then then what how's he going to deal with this and the thing is there are massive structural impediments the Senate it's very existence of the Senate this, the, the, the packed uh, courts full of, full of right wing reactionaries and like failed magicians that Trump put in there <laughs> and the thing is that's the wrong question. It's not how he's going to get it done. It's how we're going to get it done. 
Because a Bernie presidency means it's not like when Obama won and we vote and then we go and watch the, t the TV. Politics is the TV show we all watch for eight years and we root, we root for the good guys and we boo the bad guys, but that's our job is to just basically comment, maybe watch The Daily Show. Yeah, and, and go if, on TV trips and update it about <laughs> Colonel Vindman. Yes. If Bernie wins, <laughs> if Bernie wins, it will be the first time in the lifetime of anyone here where politics will be a no longer a spectator sport. We are all going to have to get used to coordinating with the organizer in chief to actually apply pressure to overwhelm the the barriers to change. And that means that you don't because that's where a lot of people I feel like more sophisticated political types they get despairing. And that's where the snarky Vox guys like to point out, oh, what are you going to do about the Senate? And it's like. <laughs> Yeah, if your model is West Wing democracy, we're doomed. Because you get in a room with M McConnell, and McConnell says no, and then you're like, well, we're out of ideas, and then it's over. <laughs> Bernie is going to energize and empower millions of people to do things that no one, even now, we don't even know what they can be. I, I just keep coming back to the image of, like, imagine you're, like, a, a the carrier plant, plant in Indiana that yeah. Trump couldn't save, and you are the workers there, and you're going on strike against unfair conditions or wages at your your worker at your plant, and the president of the United States flies in and joins the picket line against your boss. Yeah. How powerful that would be! It's literally unprecedented. I was telling these guys this story. I don't know if this is true or apocryphal, but I like to believe it is. In 1936, when FDR was running for re-election, when he swept every state but uh, Vermont, Vermont and Maine uh, uh, in the biggest electoral, in the, the biggest popular vote and electoral vote landslide in history, there were signs in West Virginia coal country that said, "The president knows that your boss is a son of a bitch," <laughs> and that's the kind of thing we're going to bring back. We're not, it, it, politics is not going to be a talking house and a, and a bunch of, uh, of just cultural signaling to each other and, and just in, in, in stale culture war. It's going to actually be a vital fight for the ability of people to, to, to choose their own destinies. And, and that's never been anything we've had on offer in politics in our lives. Uh, to, to, to Chris's point about like, yeah, I know, I know, I know Jeff Bezos has like more money than God or whatever, but could you imagine, uh, yeah, like let's say, uh, striking Amazon, you know, uh, the people who work at the Gulag, uh, refulfillment centers there, or how about fight for 15 service industry workers, people who work in, uh, in fast food striking for better wages. Air Force One lands, so the guy joining your strike has at his command, I don't know, 30,000 30, nuclear warheads. <laughs> Jeff Bezos doesn't have that. Yes. Yet. And the crazy thing is, is this, that the, 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 sh the, the winds are already uh, shifting. The one thing that I keep thinking about whenever the, 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 two, the two clever by half cynics like to talk about the reality, that slow boring of hard boards, you guys, you're, you're too childish to think about, is Chuck Schumer, Mr. Wall Street, point man for the most establishment wing of the party, the guys whose entire job is to make sure that the Democratic Party doesn't actually represent any human beings, just corporations. He came out against the NAFTA fight bill because it didn't have enough uh, conditions for workers and for uh, uh, climate change. Uh, Nancy Pelosi couldn't do that. Well, Elizabeth Warren couldn't do that. That's because he knows he lives in New York State, and he knows if, he, if Bernie's president, and he is seen as an obstacle, uh, I'm sorry, but AOC would just primary him, and he would lose his fucking job. 
And that and those pressure points exist everywhere, even in states that we've written off because they're red or whatever. And we, they can all of them be pressed because we're all going to be put into service. And that feeling that people have, if you guys have been canvassing and you guys have been phone banking, if you guys have been doing work, you know that feeling you feel like you're actually doing something for once? You know that feeling you feel like you're not just kind of living? You're not just kind of letting the accumulated uh, 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 humiliations and disappointments and frustrations of trying to make a living in a world where it, there are so many obstacles because there's someone there to pick your pocket every minute of the day. There's somebody there to monetize your misery every day and when you work with these campaigns you're like this is something that matters and I'm doing something that matters you're gonna get to feel that every fucking day I just I want to uh, just a piece of a piece of history uh, so this Tuesday um, 83 years ago this Tuesday my uncle was part of the Flint sit-down strike where the yeah. workers took over the factories mm -hmm. for 44 days in the middle of winter. <laughs> General Motors turned off the heat, turned off the water. It was a brutal existence. They couldn't get food in there. The uh, women of Flint formed the Women's Emergency Brigade, got baseball bats, and went in <laughs> against the cops <laughs> to get the food into the workers. And on, on February 11th, 1937... Um, here's what happened. Uh, Franklin Roosevelt had seen enough. And he called the governor of Michigan and he said, those National Guard you got there with their guns <laughs> aimed at the workers in the factory, you're to turn the guns around. <laughs> I was just and you're to aim them at the police and the Pinkerton thugs who are abusing these women who are trying to help and who are abusing these workers. And once... Yeah, there was no Air Force One to fly in yeah, on, but yeah. it was the virtual equivalent in the 1930s. A spruce goose um, one. Uh, where the, 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 pres yes, the president one. came in on the side of the workers and the UAW got their first contract, the first large industrial contract of any workers at that time. And, and it was so, it, it happened because Roosevelt was a traitor to his class, as yeah. they called him then. And, and, and as they called him, a communist. Yeah. <laughs> but because, because he did, he, what we're going to have with Bernie in the White House is the same thing. Yeah. As he said, he's not just entering the Oval Office next January 20th. Nurses and teachers yeah. and construction workers mm -hmm. and people who work in cubicles and students and people who are homeless, they're all coming into the Oval Office too. And it, I want to also say, because I brought up this question of despair. Yeah. Um, don't despair. You don't know how good we've got it now, and in, in large part because of all the work that you and others who are listening to this have already done. The majority of the American people are already with us. We don't have to convince the majority of Americans that, that climate change, climate emergency is real. The majority already agree. The majority already agree that women should be paid the same as men. The majority already agree that $7.25 an hour is insane and immoral. Go down the whole list of what Bernie has fought for. For 40 or 50 years, the American people already agree with Bernie on every one of these issues. And they agree with you. It just didn't happen, though. When Martin Luther King, the civil rights movement that began with the, the modern-day civil rights movement with the Montgomery bus boycott, the majority of Americans didn't agree with civil rights. They had to fight and they had to work and they had to convince literally for decades 
We're, we're at the point now where we've let the Voting Rights Act. The Republicans got rid of that yeah. under Trump. We still haven't won that. Mm -hmm. the, the feminist movement. The majority did not agree with Gloria Steinem and Betty Friedan and Jermaine Greer and other, the early, the, fe, the first of the modern day feminist movement. It took years and decades for that. We still don't have an Equal Rights Amendment. So, so take some comfort in knowing that that little bit of talk that you've done at work with your coworkers or students in the classes that you're in or whatever, it's worked. It's your, we're, we're there. We're at the moment where we are, we are the majority. We who believe that the government should have nothing to do with a woman's right to choose. We, we who believe, we who believe that a criminal enterprise conducted by the United States government locked up millions of black and brown people in this country over the last 30 years. The, the American people agree with us now. The very last issue that the, the public finally has come along with is the death penalty. That was the last holdout where the majority of Americans took the conservative position. And now the majority of Americans think the death penalty is immoral and wrong. I'm just saying that please, please have some comfort in knowing that. You're not alone. And don't fall into this trap of Bernie can't win. The person most likely to win is the person leading the majority of Americans because the majority of Americans have come to him. He didn't go. He doesn't change one bit. The American people have changed. This is the good news. I, uh, so I was a really cool kid as, as a child. And I used to watch C-SPAN. <laughs> uh, I, I, I legitimately enjoy it. I really like I like the floor votes. I like the little counters that stick. I like the little speeches. I like book notes with Brian Lamb. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> and I remember, being a, I remember being a kid, and I remember seeing Bernie Sanders in in the house. The hair, a little bit more of it, but it was still unkempt. And it said, you know, Bernie Sanders, I, Vermont. And I was just like, I, what is that? <laughs> There's two parties, and you know. The, 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 what they're offering is some variant of the same thing, and politics is this incredibly constrained thing. And but I would watch him, and it's like he was the only person in politics who seemed like he cared about other human beings, who seemed to have a vision of what could be, as opposed to the, you know, all the other just uh, monsters that seemed to populate politics. And just seeing him, and just knowing he was there, always made me. Happy, like like I would watch the I would watch the ta vote tally, and it would be the R, you know, whatever, and they would have the numbers, and then D, and then there's I, and then there's a one, one guy in there, and I would look at the one, and I'd be like, I know who that is, and like that's the good guy, <laughs> that if I, that's the only that's the only good guy in that room that I know is a good guy, and then just watching over the years, and as everything continued to be terrible and suffocating, and the Clintonian uh, 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 hegemonic neoliberalism, where honestly the only person who was like a pop culture equivalent to Bernie was you, Michael. Yeah. You were the only person that I remember speaking in a way that made politics feel like some moral endeavor or and something that like could could be changed, and that there was a responsibility to change it. And and then he got elected to the Senate. And I'm like, oh my God, look at this guy. Look at the guys <laughs> in the Senate. That's amazing. And then he would do things like that uh, epic filibuster about the uh, about the tax code where he went for 12 hours about the upward redistribution and what it's done to America for the past 30 years. And I was just like, ah, this guy, just having this lone voice in the wilderness. 
and then he ran against Hillary, and it felt like, oh, there he is, look at him. He's, he's, he's fighting the good fight. And as much as he inspired me, he also made me a little sad because it really did feel like he was just this you know, Diogenes with the lantern looking for the honest man in Athens. But then that campaign just exploded, and he won the Iowa caucus in 2016, by the way. I mean, if you don't think they stole it after what would just happen, he won that. And then he won New Hampshire here. And even though he had this, he, he had this huge hole to dig out of because most people didn't know who he was. Most people were, uh, they were not cool enough to have been watching C-SPAN as children. And so he just, it just took him too long. And he, it, it, like, if you look, I swear to God, if, if, the, if that camp, if that, primary campaign had been a month longer he might have actually won and um, he came so close and then knowing that opportunity existed and then the fact that over the and then Trump winning honestly as terrible as it was it really broke our understanding of what possibility was in politics and that means people started asking deeper questions and now it's back the campaign is back and it can win and the, just the trajectory of watching this guy, the one man who is actually going to have principles, the one man who is going to use his position of power, not for his own influence, not to give his dipshit kids fail lord jobs uh, with, with Ukrainian mining companies or whatever, but to actually make, try to remind America what it could be now in a position to actually be president of the United States. It's honestly dizzying and breathtaking and knowing we're so close and knowing that we can do this, knowing that he can win on Tuesday, and then that means that he can win in Nevada. And that means that he can shock the world in South Carolina. And then I swear to God, guys, he can win it all on Super Tuesday. We can make it happen. Uh, to, to add on to uh, what Matt said about uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, just like think about him as a person. Uh, we've had the opportunity to interact with like his campaign and all the people who have uh, known him and, and worked with him. And, you know, Michael, you, you talked a little bit about the be at the beginning where he's just like, this is real Italian, this is Italian food. I don't understand it. That's why it's real. I know, like, you know, for years now following him, I've had, I have like a, like an idea in my head of like what he's like as a person. And it's sort of like a, a caricature of what you might imagine. He's sort of a, sort of a grouchy guy, maybe a little cantankerous at, at certain moments. And I can, uh, confirm for you based on the conversations I've had with people who, you know, know him and have worked with him. He is so much more like that than I thought. Or <laughs> telling me it was like just 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 uh, like like at a bar or a restaurant and they're playing they're playing music over over like the uh, you know the speakers or whatever. And it's like, you know, nineties super jams. And the person, you know, was like grew up listening to this kind of music and was sort of like nodding their head and he goes, Can I ask you a question? You like this music? <laughs> yeah. It, uh, it's awful. <laughs> it's awful. It's giving me a headache. It's giving me a headache. <laughs> but outside the grouchiness, though, he really does hate all of the same people that you do. <laughs> everyone in the media, everyone in D.C. that you hate, I guarantee I can confirm for you, Bernie Sanders despises them as well. And the good news is they all hate him too. It's, which is what was so Hil good. Hillary, yeah, which yeah. is so good about Hillary Clinton's comment about how nobody in Washington likes this guy. Nobody wants to work with him. Put that in a campaign <laughs> ad now. 
The guy, everyone in the worst city in America, not the city of D.C., but you know what I mean, like what it stands for, the worst people in this country all despise him. And I think the, the common denominator to who Bernie likes and who he hates is he hates phonies and he hates bullies. And that's just described 99% of Washington, D.C. <laughs> and everyone who works there. They're either phonies, they're bullies, or some combination of the both. And he hates that. He hates that. And I know all of you do too, because that's why we're here. So every every little personal detail I hear about him is A, hilarious, and B, underscores that uh, it, both his hate and love for the people he hates and the people he loves are exactly attuned with what we all in this room feel. That's so true. I, I can't tell you what I, because I have witnessed it personally. I, would, I was at the very first uh, big campaign rally for him in Burlington in 1990, the year he won uh, <laughs> Congress. And I know he tried to get some celebrities to come to the stage. I've told this story before about how all he could get were two guys from Vermont who made ice cream and, and one guy from Michigan who ate ice cream. But it was like, but, we, but it was so amazing. It was in this hall and Bernie is just such the real, when the fact that he wouldn't go into the spin room to cop a few extra minutes of free air time because I don't do spin. You know, I don't believe in spinning. Of course he doesn't. Don't, and we hate spinning. We hate the spin. We hate the spin room. He hates it. Well, you're so. Tr I just. Well, you just gave me an idea for a, a short video I've got to make. Uh, nobody likes him because the nobody. What she really means is she's talking about the pundit class. Yeah. She's talking about the corporate media. She's talking about the lobbyists. She's talking about the people that own this country and they think they own us and they truly do hate him. They hate him with such a passion. I. I. I I'm going to write uh, or I'll do a podcast on this uh, in the next uh, week or so about just what I've personally witnessed. Because I'm in the media in that sense that I, I make movies and uh, TV shows and that. And podcasts. And po now podcasts, podcasts, which I am loving. But they, but. Yeah, it's great. It's fucking easy as hell. <laughs> well, you don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to edit them all. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. But the, <laughs> no, but I, I, um, I've been given a peek behind the curtain is what I'm saying. And I don't know why they've let me see things that I've seen. <laughs> but I can't tell you how many times when I have been on a, a show and you don't see a lot of Bernie supporters no. on cable news. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> me, yeah. basically. And I, I'm, I'm, it's probably, I don't know why or how I get this stuff through or out or whatever, but I, I do get to get five minutes of our voice being heard and um, and then the things that, that I hear from other guests or coming in or out or whatever, running into some big corporate Democrat or whatever uh, who wants to pull me aside and tell me that, you know, we're going to stop him. You know, this isn't going to happen. <laughs> you know, you know that that um, we're just not going to allow this to happen. <laughs> um, and and you are destroying the Democratic Party. <laughs> and I, I would say, no, actually, you're destroying it. Yeah. So thank you for that. Uh, because we will rise up out of your ashes yes. and we'll form a new Democratic Party. Maybe yep. we'll call it the NDP. Maybe we'll call, maybe it'll be called the FDR Party, Freedom, uh, Democracy, and uh, uh, Resistance. How's that? How about the Socialist uh, Workers Party? <laughs> <laughs> 
I think I, we that was tried. <laughs> yeah, no, um, no trots. Good for the love of God. Uh, we need to put an ad out. Bernie Sanders sitting at zero support, zero percent support among people on the Epstein flight logs. <laughs> <laughs> I was also just thinking about that. You know, they hate him thing, and how good the "Not Me Us" slogan is because it works both ways. We are with him, and he is with us. And when they say, when Hillary Clinton says everybody in Washington hates him, everybody, she's also saying everybody in Washington hates you. Yeah, that's hates right. All of us wow, who are here good. with yes. him. Well, her her disgust when she talks about things like universal health care. Oh, you want a pony? It's pure. Pure uh, contempt for for even you asking the question, and I don't know anybody in here, anybody, any salty New Englanders in here who have any uh, Republican relatives, any Trump fans. You can vote. Ind- independents can vote in the thing, right? Yeah. All right. And if you meet a Trump person, t- here's the pitch: there is no human being on earth that Hillary Clinton hates more than Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Him winning would make her cartoon steam would come out of her ears. She would be like a Looney Tune. And best part is, if Bernie wins, well, we all know he can't beat Trump. Because they think that. Because of the the right-wing echo chamber, these idiots actually think Bernie's the easy one to beat. At least the dummies do. The smart ones are scared. Like right. the guys who actually helped Trump win. Like Trump Parscale. was scared. Loves, Trump loves taping the phone call of Trump. And, yeah, and guys like so Trump, happy that Hillary yeah. didn't pick Bernie. Yeah. He said that would have been tough. Yeah. Even so, as a running mate, he was so a tough. running mate. He was Trump, worried. Trump, Parscale, slap, slap. Like the the guys who actually made him win. They're scared of Bernie. Right. Like the out of touch dumbass Republicans who watch Fox News and just assume everybody hates but socialism. Chris, what you just said, I, I just thought that there's a, a new slogan that we have to come up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, they fly with Epstein, we march with Bernie. (laughs) But yeah, just tell your public history in your life, hey, two birds with one stone, you get an easy opponent in November, and you make Hillary Clinton insanely mad. And uh, you brought up, (laughs) the other thing you brought up, this is the this is the pitch though that that's the pitch to your Trump relatives. This is the pitch to like the the MSNBC uh, brain relatives. They just say yeah like uh, oh can you know can he the be- elections on Wednesday yeah <laughs> <laughs> can can he beat Trump can he beat Trump I don't know gee if only there were some uh, very recent news story <laughs> about uh, Trump himself saying in private audio community in conversation no reason to lie or sell some other fucking line about it. If only there was a news story recently about Trump being privately recorded saying that he fears Bernie Sanders more than any other candidate. That, yeah, if only there was some news story that you could, you know, I don't know, send them a link to or literally listen to themselves and hear him say it. Go with that one. The, um, uh, so, yeah, by the way, if you're listening to this on the podcast, the, the election is actually Tuesday. I just want to... No, if you're listening to this, but it's on Tuesday. Yes, but if you're, but if you can't hear because there, you can't hear our voices, and you're for Trump, then the election is Wednesday. That's what we're trying to say. And uh, no, we want them to vote. We don't want. Here's the thing: there were people listening to my podcast. Actually, I, I, I read the comments. And never do that. Absolutely, never do that. Let me give you some advice. <laughs> Don't do that. I mean, oh, yeah, no, no, you, no, no. You, you've been doing That's this podcasters' rule number one. Yeah. Never read the comments. I shouldn't admit that I read them, but they're so good. And and uh, even the even the angry ones, I know that I'm saying what needs to be said. But but I do care about the people who are listening to this right now. They love Elizabeth Warren. 
Uh, they like Amy Klobuchar. They respect Joe Biden. But what do we say? What do, what do you guys say? Because uh, uh, you know, you've been very vocal about these other candidates. But how do we hold our hand out to the Elizabeth Warren voter well, and others? Well, Will did it I yesterday. Did, I did that very he thing got, yesterday. He posted cringe on the timeline. <laughs> You got I, got, I got sincere, and you know, like a lot of them hate me because you know I have made fun of her and her campaign quite a bit. But uh, in all sincerity, what I said was to Elizabeth Warren supporters and voters out there, you know, and she's running now as the you know unity candidate. It's just you know forget forget everything in the campaign, forget what they stand for, forget who said what to who, who started it, what they both represent. Forget all of it. Here's where it stands now. Elizabeth Warren finished a respectable third in the Iowa caucus. She, you know, as they say, she punched her ticket to New Hampshire. But based on polls, she is currently around fourth or fifth here. She is fourth or fifth in South Carolina. She and Nevada as well. She's like a little better in California. But based on all of the polling, there is and combined with that, and this is what they really don't want to hear and don't believe her completely anemic support among black and Latino voters, yeah. she simply has no path to the nomination. All she can do is stick around long enough to soak up enough delegates to do some kind of deal at the convention to be the unity candidate. And I'm assuming you'd be against that because I'm assuming that you're a good person, right? <laughs> I think for obvious reasons, we should all be against that. So, I mean, I'm trying not to be uh, too sarcastic here, but Liz... She's got all the plans. She's got a plan for everything. I'm sorry to Liz Warren supporters. The only thing she doesn't have a plan for right now is winning the nomination or the White House in November. Yeah. So if you are a Liz Warren supporter who does agree with the entire agenda that Bernie Sanders does, and I've been assured by Liz Warren supporters and her campaign itself that they share the, this exact same agenda. I'm with Bernie on Medicare for All. If that is the case and you would like to see Liz Warren either in the White House or working on behalf of that agenda with real power behind it in 2021, the only way, that, the best way to make that possible is to vote for Bernie Sanders now and stop Pete Buttigieg right here, right now in New Hampshire. That's it. That's it. We have a rat problem and we've we, got to take care of it. We have a rat problem and if you, you know, we got we to gotta come together on this and you know what, like, and I, and I got to be honest with you, if the shoe is on the other foot, and Bernie Sanders just lost the Iowa caucus to Elizabeth Warren and was trailing in every other poll. Can you can you better believe the pressure on him from her supporters and from liberals in general to drop out and back her as like you know to just stop the, you know coalesce around in a progressive left wing message would be overwhelming and intense. So the fact that I say that now, people hate it, and people uh, quite frankly they they, they a lot of people re rebel against it and would vote for you know, against him out of spite for telling you that. But if that's the case, then these people were never reachable to begin with and should be written off. But I think there are enough percentage of her supporters of good faith who understand that it is about a, an agenda, not a candidate, who will come on board, hopefully, to, to crush the rat on Tuesday. Just... Uh Again, to remind the people who are listening to this uh, podcast, uh, the, these guys record uh, Chapel Trap House there from Brooklyn. Uh, so when they use the word rat, 
we don't really. I mean, we don't. Well, oh. you do really want to. You want to refer to one of the can to Mayor Pete. Yeah. As a rat. He's a little rat. He's not a cool yeah. rat like pizza rat or anything. <laughs> so you're not, it's not, a, I'm trying to make the point that you're from Brooklyn. You're not anti-rat. <laughs> on the, well, we, we you ha- live we, with rats. We, we, we have to barely tolerate them. Uh, He's one of the jerk rats that you don't want around. Well, I mean, I mean, like, well, a, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, bullying one on one. You just look at his face first thing you saying, oh, the rat boy, rat. But now, after Iowa caucus, I mean, there is a word of, you know, a term of art in politics that has a long American history: rat fucking. Yeah. I'm, it's it's vulgar, but it's a real thing. And he just did. And he just did one of the biggest ones of all time yeah. with his campaign and the Shadow app, and you know, and declaring Vic. I mean, come on, we we all know what's going on here. So uh, the moniker Rat is uh, very very well applied to Pete Buttigieg. Um, what's how's the audience feel about that? Uh, yeah. Sort of, oh, by popular acclaim. Um, why in fact, why don't we... Uh, we've got a few minutes left here. Uh, let's open it up to some questions. Uh, really more of a comment than a question. Uh, in episode 257 <laughs> of Trapo Trap House. <laughs> All right. Uh, sir, right there uh, in the middle. Yes. What's the question? No! I'm going to repeat this yeah, again. Yeah. I know this is a technology that's 120 years old sound but they we will just go dead if you make a statement for many yes, of them yes yes, yes is, it is is the issue between Warren and Bernie really a class issue also in addition to electability it is for Absolutely. some of them yeah no i think it's 50-50 i would say i'd say it's 50-50 it, okay. it's so the question, a, the question was, is microphone? the question was, is the difference between Warren and Bernie or Pete and Bernie, uh, not just an electability thing, but a class thing? And I, as we just said, yes, but I think that it's also a representative about how much uh, class interests come off as pure aesthetic yeah. in our politics, that they are the person who seems the Peter Warren seems more aligned with like a upper middle class professional managerial meritocrat people who resume did good in yeah. school like that is the real thing it's it is like the byproduct of them being good in school is that they won the rat race the rat race they won the meritocratic they got the cheese at the end of the maze and so they think well that's how it should work and politics is about making sure as many people can get the cheese in the maze as possible and so they see themselves as worthy of their uh, success in life worthy of their um, uh, marble countertops and yes I do think that we have that a that's question. a lot. That's us a lot of Mayor Pete support, and I would say it honestly is probably like half of Elizabeth Warren supporters. But I feel like there are still Elizabeth Warren supporters who do. Dude, did we get some reverb? We got some reverb now. Who do genuinely? We got a microphone for the audience. Who okay. do genuinely care about a progressive agenda, and they can be peeled off. But yeah, at the end of the day, a lot of them they're going to go with the guy who they know got good grades because okay. they got good grades. Right over here. Yes. Hello. Um, I live a couple towns over, so glad everyone's here. Will there be a slacker uprising too? Slacker. Oh, from oh, you're talking yeah. to me. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, no. I I am dedicating this year to doing uh, Rumble, uh, the podcast, and and there will be Rumble videos, and we'll we'll do, we're going to do all this digitally and online, 
Uh, it takes a year to make a movie, and I, and I scrapped the movie I had started for this year because it wasn't going to be done till next September or October, and I'd be spending my whole year on that instead of out here on the road uh, for Bernie. And um, and then there'd be the movie would be out four weeks before the election, and it would be too late because as as you said at the very beginning, right now, this week, next week, that's it. Yeah. This if we don't do if we're if anybody listening, this is waiting till March to get involved. That's too late. Yeah. That is It'll way be too decided. late. It'll be decided. You have to get involved today, yeah. starting today. So I'm sorry there won't be a movie uh, uh, this year, but I will do this. I started this. I wanted to do this as a weekly podcast, and then and then we couldn't stop. And now I don't know how many times a week are we doing this, Basil? Like <laughs> four times a week. But I, it's a way to communicate, and we're going to have our four millionth download after just six Jesus weeks. Christ. Wait, awesome. Wait a second. Wait a second. Jesus. Wait a second. What? We, should, we shouldn't have agreed to do this. We're sitting on our own throat. What are we doing? We're going to get oh owned. You're going to buy us out. I'm sorry. I know this is, you're sort of cannibalizing yourself by doing that. No, but I never expected this response. And it, and it's a, it's a bit of a conversation. And I do, that's why I do read the, and you can actually on the, on some of these podcast platforms, you can leave me a voice message and I get to hear it. It's so cool. Um, and it helps define what the next podcast uh, should be about. But we also have, like this week, uh, the f- indie filmmaker John Sales. Oh, wow. um, oh nice. I'm gonna, Excellent. I'm going to talk to Ru- on, baby. RuPaul. To, uh, I'm going to interview uh, uh, is coming over for the podcast tomorrow. Nice. Um, what a disappointment that so, we're, we're your guests before <laughs> Sales and RuPaul. Yeah. Jesus. No, are you, no, no, no. You, you guys, I'm telling you, that's why I encourage people to listen to their podcast uh, because it is a live and it's got you guys have your claws out, and you are you are in the wow. front of the French resistance here. <laughs> and so, uh, I, I uh, what you do is is very important, and the same goes for RuPaul. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, next question. Um, let me hang on he's, here. He's got the and mic. How about right down in the front row? Who's oh, got the mic? What? No, no, no. He's got we, the mic uh, right down, right down That's here. The mic yes, right here. Oh, there right, we go. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> All right. No, it's just like we don't we don't have Amber here today, and so we're, people are just listening to yeah, we the dudes. A bunch, of, stack a bunch of guys. So uh, let's uh, yes, ma'am, go ahead. Did Hillary kill Epstein? <laughs> well, uh, okay, uh, this might be for you. You might need we, to come we, to the show have, tonight we have to the talk bar about for that. the next three hours. <laughs> uh, I, I'll say this: Hillary uh, tried to kill him the first time and failed <laughs> because she's Hillary. Uh, she probably slipped on a banana peel while trying to garrote him and hit her head on the sink. Uh, but then actual real professionals finished him off, probably the royal family. Uh, to, your, to your question, though, like my, my theme for this week, though, is like you, you, you look at these, all these stories, right? And we're going to talk about this tonight in oh, yeah. New Hampshire. We're going to talk about a lot of the, you know, whether it's the Epstein case, you know, we've talked about the MK Ultra Charles Manson connection on the show. Uh, Matt's did a whole episode on Gladio. You look at these things that broadly could be called conspiracy theories. But all, what they all have in common is that the official narrative of them are all incredible. Yes. They're not believable. Like the Iowa caucus results. Yeah, like like the what we saw that we are in told, Iowa. The official story. Like the yeah. official story is not believable. And then when you, again, with not you don't have to like make any great leaps in logic or huge like you know take it on faith here you can just look at simple media accounts and you begin to add it together and it certain it takes on a certain shape begins to look like something but as tom o'neill the guy who wrote the book about manson and the cia said ultimately like none of these things are ever going to reach 
like the capital T standard of journalistic truth where we're yeah. going to have any kind of like real satisfactory ending or resolution or certainly not <laughs> justice uh, at this point. But we look at it and the question is like, what do, you, what do you do with this knowledge? And I go back to what I originally said. <laughs> if they wanted to rig a very close election and put their thumb on the scale for their preferred candidate in collusion with the media, donors, et cetera, if they wanted to um, murder literally the most famous prisoner in U.S. federal custody because he's literally connected, him and his human sex trafficking ring are literally connected to the, like two presidents, including the one that's currently in the White House and the, and royal, the, family. And the royal family. <laughs> Uh, if they wanted to assassinate him or steal an election in the Iowa caucus, would it look any different than what we all saw? Yeah. Regardless of whether you believe the conspiracy theory or not, if there was a conspiracy or not, would it look any different? If you had to write a screenplay about it, would the story be any different from what we've all seen with our own eyes? And the, and the remedy would be the same. We need to take over. Yes. We need to puts light into these shadowy corridors where these people get to get to determine our, our fates. We need to put light into the shadow app. Into the shadow <laughs> app, yes. By the way, Reed Hoffman, uh, the guy who, who invented that, who, who funded it, Reed Hoffman, LinkedIn, uh, Netflix, frequent dinner guest of Jeffrey Epstein. Ooh. Yes, right here. Hi, guys. Uh, this was kind of last minute coming here today, but I am so happy that I am here today. This was a lot of fun. Um, my question is, when I talk to family and friends, oh, you know, Bernie, he's old. He's old. How, how can you convince people that, you know what? We need him right now. And that's always a problem. And then the other question is, who do you think would be a good VP with Bernie? The uh, first, I, I, can I say the first thing I, that yeah. I say when I hear that Bernie's too old, I ask them, especially Democrats, so, do you think Nancy Pelosi's too old? And, like, of course not. Look what she's done with the impeachment and everything, how she came around. Well, she's older than Bernie. Yeah. So, this age thing is such bullshit. The other thing is, like, if you look... I, I, again, because I talked to my mom about this. Look at the guy in the right, White House yeah. and look at Bernie Sanders and say who is more energetic and competent. <laughs> like, it's, it's obvious. Like, yeah. I, imagine... Like, oh God, the Trump-Bernie debates are going to be so good. Oh God. Uh, just imagine, They're not going to happen, by the way. I'm yeah, calling he, oh, yeah. Trump is going to debate. He will not debate. He will not debate. There will be no the, debate. You, everybody knows that, right? Right, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Trump will not debate. He would period. debate Warren. He would debate Biden. He would debate Buttigieg. He would not debate Bernie. Uh, but yeah, just imagine them try, trying to form a sentence next to each other and be like, is Bernie too old? Look yeah. at Trump, fuck, fucking Trump. I know, but the, 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 the question about age, uh, the VP question charter, though, the question about age is a real one, and I don't think you can dodge it. Bernie is an old guy, and particularly you know, among my, my parents and particularly older people, they're more concerned about that. But you can use it to your advantage because it's like, yeah, he's been around a while, long time. But he's been on the right side of everything for the same amount of time. He's like a he's like a wine. He's just getting better with age. The country is caught up to where he was forty years ago. Yeah. Now the same thing that every Democrat has to pretend to believe is what he's been saying for forty years right. now. And that's what he says. He says by being older, I I know what a pension is. Yeah. By being older, I know what it was when thirty to forty percent of the workforce was unionized, yeah. and as like when I grew up. Had free health care, no copays, no deductibles, free dental, free uh, eyeglasses, free everything if you were a UAW 
you know, auto worker member. That's that's what he remember. He knows that we were almost there. We were on our way there, and until until essentially, really with Reagan. So this has been how many forty years yeah. now? Um, but these pundits talk about like this election is forty years ago. Yeah, they're living like like this is the Reagan election. And we've got to be careful, and you can't say this, and you can't say that. And I said, like, do you realize that anybody in their fifties who voted for Ronald Reagan in nineteen eighty is dead. Yeah. <laughs> that, that his largest age group, 55 to 85, are unlike, I mean, there are a few people in their 90s that are so with us, God bless them. But they're all gone. You, you can't... You, the, 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 the people now, the, this country is not the country of 1980. For the last eight years, every, in every September now, for the last eight years, the majority of kids entering first grade in this country were not white. That's the country we live in now. The white people will be a minority sometime in the 2040s, probably, and uh, and that's you either go with that or you don't, but you can't fight it because those are just the facts. Wait a second, people who voted for Reagan in the 80s, are we talking about Liz Warren again? <laughs> no. I'm, I'm saying, well, she wasn't in her 50s then. That was the problem. Anybody who was in their 50s, Reagan's top demographic, 50s, 60s, and 70s. You talk like you're trying to convince them. They're not. God bless them. We miss them, some of them, but we're, they're not with us. It has changed. No, she, yes, she did vote for Nixon. She voted for Reagan. And she voted for Bush. And I wanted somebody, uh, well, okay, it was me, at the debate the other night in the audience <laughs> shouted out when she said that about, about um, you know, what the Republicans have done to take away a woman's right to choose. Or, or to, to you know, uh, trample on gay people, and I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, you voted for the people that took away women's rights, that took away reproductive rights, that made it illegal to not be heterosexual in this country. What, what is the answer? I mean, I'm glad she switched. I'm glad ever anybody who's come over, but it's it's a little bit like. I don't mean to like quote the Bible here on Sunday, but you know when Moses came down with the Ten Commandments. And everybody was having a big orgy, and he got pissed off, and then broke the tablets, and then it's like, oh fuck, I broke that. I don't know, all the, all the. So he goes back up to the mountain. And he says, "The guy, I'm sorry, I got mad." And the guy goes, "You lost your temper." I, you know, so here's the deal. Yes, I don't want to. You know how hard it is to write in stone. I'll rewrite these for you, so you can have them. But when you get to the promised land, you don't get to cross the River Jordan, Moses. Right? Yeah. Anybody remember their Bible? You don't get there. He had to stay on the other side. And that's how I kind of feel about if you voted to oppress women and gay people and the poor and people of color, because that's what you did when you voted for Reagan and Bush and Nixon. Thank you for coming and joining us. We love you for that. But you do not get to enter the Oval Office. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. We love you for everything else, but you don't get that. I mean, is that too harsh? I don't know. No, that's, I'm sorry. No, yes. That's, that's not, yeah, it's that's not, exactly that a, right. Absolutely. Uh, I, that seems like a bare minimum requirement, especially since you have the real article. You have the true steel here. Someone who you don't have to wonder is going to do get in the White House and be like, oh yeah, that's right. I love capitalism. <laughs> Oh, but she she also wanted to know uh, VP picks. Oh God, do I don't know. Oh no, God, no, I don't know. I cannot begin to uh, give it out. Oh, the VP, yeah. 
I don't know, man. Uh, we don't know anything. Yeah, it'll be fine. It's, it'll, it'll, be it'll be good. It'll pick someone. It'll be really it'll good. Be great. It'll be All great. things serve the bean. It it'll won't be, be a compromise <laughs> to appease the corporate Democrats. Yeah. It'll be somebody. It'll be one of us. Yeah. Whoever well, that, that is. Not us, but I would. Yes. Be, I honestly, thank wouldn't. God it won't be me, uh, us. But yeah, <laughs> that seems like way too much work. I would. Ex- I would accept though. If you wanted it to be me, I would say us. We got him. I just want to say that I am so blown away by what I've just watched and heard today. This was, this is like, I'm so excited and so energized. Like, I can cry. Like, awesome. I really want to thank you guys so much. Thank because you for coming. This is the best sell I have ever heard for Bernie Sanders in my life. And I, I'm so excited. And I, I feel like he's totally going to win now. Um, and I'm afraid to ask this question. Do you ever even, like, let yourself go there? Like... Because I'm so excited by everything I'm hearing, and now I'm like, oh my god! But what if it doesn't happen? Like I'm gonna die. Like, <laughs> yeah, so like, uh, yeah. Like I'm like so excited now yeah. that I'm like I, literally I almost that. in tears because I'm scared. I had a moment like that after the debate last night, where I was just like, I was just thinking about like what, and I I kind of freaked out a little yeah. bit. It's scary, but like it's you know what? That is as much a part of you know the energy in your. That fear yeah. is as much a part of the motor that gets you out there as your hope is. And uh, you, because they're all pointing in the same direction. I just yeah. have it in my head right now uh, that if he wins, the work never stops. Yeah. Yeah. And if he loses, the work never stops. Yep. And that's like, the thing yeah. that I was saying earlier. That like, is so true because I've said to just, people, please right now, if you have to f- arrange it now or you call in sick, you can't go to work or school on November 3rd. We need You need to commit to bringing 10 to 20, 30 people to the polls. Everybody has to commit to that. But, but let me tell you, that's November 3rd because you also have to take off November 4th. Because, yep. it, no, the, no, the party <laughs> is the night of the 3rd. No, the work, as Chris just said, starts the... Yes, go to get a good sleep. And then, please, wherever you at, are at, at your campus, at work, in your neighborhood, on November 4th, plan that meeting now for the yeah. night of November 4th. Yep. Because we have to get behind what Bernie yep. and us want yep. to have happen. It will not happen. We will have a Democratic Senate. We uh, will have a Democratic House. There's 30 AOCs right now running yeah. in various districts for the House. We will have this, but it won't happen if we if we take that time off. And I just, as much as I love Obama and I voted for him and all that, but it wasn't just weeks after his election that he appointed Larry Summer and Timothy Geithner in charge of our economy. And I couldn't believe it. But we went silent. Everything went quiet. Well, they did that on purpose. They had the, the, the Obama for America organization was an incredibly in, impressive data org. That they had they had email numbers, they had text, they had a network of people who had all organized to elect Obama. Pr- push of a button organizing, and as soon as he got in there, they dismantled it on purpose. They took it apart. They deleted the files, and they said, "Well, we're done with that." These, your job is done. Watch it on TV. Remember how we used to get those great texts from the Obama campaign yeah. during the election? And then it just, it literally did go silent and dark. And then they blamed young people for not coming out in the midterms, and that's why the Tea Party if won. I, if, I could, if I could just slightly qualify that, 
I do hope after the election, Bernie does stop texting me just a little bit because he's blowing up my phone more than my girlfriend right now. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I, w- I would like it's to It's organizing locally on yeah, November yeah. 4th. Yeah. I w- let, this, let, the, let them know we're coming. Yes. It's not just Bernie on nope. January 20th. It's us. Yep. All of us. Mm-hmm. We want this. We will not allow this country to continue like this for another day after I just, January 20th. Yeah, I want to just take a, just another second to, to acknowledge your question and, and respond to it because I think it's something that you know I'm feeling and I think it's something everyone is feeling right now. Uh, we, I, I, you wouldn't feel this afraid if we weren't this close. Mm-hmm. If we weren't this close, and then because of that, it's a, there's a huge risk, right? Yeah. Of like what it would feel like, you know, if, if the the worst thing happens. I will say to you that, like in the short term, it, it it will not be the end of the Bernie Sanders campaign. Period. Point blank. South Carolina, California. He could win South Carolina. He will win California, which is in a huge amount of delegates. It will not be over. Do not like you know just totally despair. But I would just say, any rational person, you know, in a in a fight like this has to rationally consider the possibility of defeat, but only consider it in so much as to anticipate what your enemy is going to do to defeat them, right? So hold your fear close to you, but use it as a weapon. There's an edge to it. Use it as a a, a blade to cut through what we're doing here and to just keep doing it as hard as possible and keep doing it because it's working. And I'm not going to blow your smoke up your ass. Like It'll suck if he loses. I'm not going to say I'm okay with that or it's like a moral victory or anything no we're playing for keeps here and it really really fucking matters but like i just said like the the, the fear you have is is also strength mm. and just like hold that close to yourself and hold it hold stay close to the people around you friends strangers relatives who are doing the same thing you are right now keep doing it it's working and we're gonna win I want to thank the people who are listening uh, to Rumble uh, right now and um, and encourage you to uh, subscribe. It's free, as is your podcast. Um, yes. And, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, half of it is free. <laughs> well, you can become members. Yeah, yes. yes. And then for like, what is it, like five bucks a month or five, something? Five bucks a month. And then you get like an extra each week. So it's, Yeah. So four, extra, weekly, four week, extra episodes Four to five extra episodes a month, plus we have all sorts of bonus content uh, all the time. Right. Okay. Well, that's I'm a we member, a so I, I know that. No, no, it's it's a it's a good thing. Uh, right now, I just it's just a free thing. I have underwriters who are are helping me out here, um, and uh, I think today's uh, actually today's podcast. Uh, our underwriter is Anchor uh, 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 Podcast. Uh, the uh, the people that do the free podcast, they they help you set up your own podcast. They will distribute your podcast. Free of charge to Apple and Spotify and whatever. They're they're good people, but I appreciate them supporting my voice. And uh, you, you can find them at um, Anchor.fm. But uh, but for the people who are here in our audience at my first live Rumble podcast, I'm so grateful uh, that you've been with us here today. Some of you were out there standing in line uh, more than two hours before uh, the uh, we began. Thank you. You're still standing. Um, thank you for that. Uh, nobody called the fire marshal on us. We are packed uh, in here. Uh, I'm, I'm very grateful. And I want everybody who's listening to please participate. Don't sit this one out. There's no sitting on the bench. Everybody, everybody off the bench. Everybody in the pool. Uh, this is our moment right now. Thank you. Thank you, Manchester, New Hampshire. Thank you. Thank you for the people listening. 
We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. It's all you guys. shall run. There can be no power greater anywhere beneath the sun. Yet what force on earth is weaker than the feeble strength of one? But the union makes us strong. Solidarity forever. Solidarity forever. Solidarity forever. For the union makes us strong.